It's Monday, April 4th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. It's episode 246. Just me and Russ so far. Tyler might join here in a little bit. How's it going, Russ? It's going. <clears throat> it's a big weekend. Uh, every weekend is big right now. Just uh, lots of lots of stuff going on. Uh, nice. And leading into a big week, which seems to be every week right now, you know? So yeah. lots of stuff going, you know? We're doing it. Dude, these, I'm feeling you, man. These past two weeks have been the most insane two weeks of the past probably two years, maybe. I don't know. About the past I, year, I'll say. I mean, I think completely agree. It just seems like, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you'd say the world opened up. I mean, if you said that in a room of 100 people, you'd have like half the room shouting at you about certain things the other room the other half would be shouting about other things and but i just think <clears throat> it's just interesting like i have literally i mean i went from sitting in front of my computer all day every day and not leaving my house for basically two years for 90 percent of the time to i have been on the road every single week for five weeks straight yeah so that wow, is man. uh it's it's a taste of of the old life um, it's a little different. I mean, there's, a, I mean, it's, a lot of it's because of my hiring process and, and putting people through the paces in person, which is the new part, right? <laughs> it's the, yeah. what's old is new again, but, uh, yeah. it's, it's good though. Like it's, I tell people this all the time because they look at my calendar and they're like, <laughs> they're like, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm fine. This is, this is good busy. You know, it's like, I don't, it's, it's not weighing on me the way, you know, other types of busyness can. So it's, it's all good things, at least from my perspective, it is, even though it looks like a lot outside looking at it. It is a lot, but it's fine. Yeah. So, so you have people fooled that you're okay? Yeah, I mean. pretty much. Yeah, in, including <laughs> our entire podcast audience. Um, they're going to they're gonna think I'm fine, and then I'm going to jump off this, and I'll cry a little bit, and I'll take Kate to school, and I'll come back, and I'll, and I'll keep going. You know. Nice. So I think it was first reported by you, something about uh, Elon's Twitter like post questionnaire thing. Yes. Wasn't that you? It, it was. Did you see this morning? Elon Musk <laughs> takes a 9.2% passive stake in Twitter, which just means he just owns it. And he just bought it. Uh, he's not on the board or anything like that. Worth $2.89 billion, becoming its largest shareholder. Twitter shares yep. rise about 26% in pre-market trading. Yeah, there's the uh, there's the lead, right? Becoming the largest shareholder. Uh, I think mm -hmm. it's you know for context, you know we talked about the poll that he put out there and then his follow up. So if if you hadn't heard the previous episode that we did this, it was it was it wasn't that long ago. It was a week or two ago. <laughs> um, he said, "Do you believe Twitter rigorously adheres to this principle?" And it was on uh, free speech is essential to a functioning democracy. 70.4% responded with no, but before he even revealed the final results or before the final results were revealed of the Twitter poll, he said, the consequences of this poll will be important. Please vote carefully. <laughs> I love that we said the, important. Yeah. $2.9 billion to drop. <laughs> it's kind of important. Just yeah. public random poll people. <laughs> exactly. So he goes off and buys, you know, nearly 10% of Twitter effectively, which he, he knew how this was going to go. Like, yes. There's, there's no there's no scenario where everyone responded and said, yes, absolutely. Even if it was true, even if and let's just say it is. I'm not even passing an opinion on this. Let's just say Twitter does rigorously adhere to free speech principles or whatever as a functioning democracy. 
it, the internet will say no because the internet is not a positive place. So that's <laughs> just me, how it's going to go. Bro, let me hit you with some of the hot takes on Twitter. Okay. Uh, Adam Singer, when Elon Musk is CEO of Twitter, first thing to do is remove all the stupid NFT connections from the app. Literally, no one cares, along with killing the crypto spam. Also, everyone willing to show ID gets verified. This is just the first 30 minutes. We've got work to do. Okay, that one was like, <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, I'm feeling that one. Uh, this one made me think. Elon basically running his own digital country now with his own centralized media platform, Twitter, and currency, Doge. What do you think? Uh, man, the, that, the latter example is an interesting perspective. I mean, if you think about... You know, if, if this were a, uh, you know, olden time, what do you call it? Um, I don't know. Whenever you have a king and a queen, et cetera. Well, the 80s were. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God, that was glorious. Um, it's like, if you think, who's king of the internet? I mean, it's got to be Elon, mm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And it just seems like it. Like, it, king, you know, the way you would determine this is, you know, when someone does something, on the internet, who elicits the strongest response? But but largely, like he has both sides of it. But I think he more so than we'll use Donald Trump as an example because that obviously elicits a very strong response. At least when he was allowed on the internet, I don't think he's on the internet anymore. Um, he gets. A, I mean, Elon gets a lot of support, right? So that's mm-hmm. that's the thing. Is like, I it's just he's. I think he's the king of the internet, and then he just bought you know, his own media platform. So uh, I don't There's know. Another one. It's interesting. <laughs> Elon Musk to increase tweets to 420 characters. <laughs> uh, funny for two reasons. Um, one, because giving him more of a platform to say things is funny. And the other one is because of, I think we all know why the rest of it's funny. So <laughs> he is securing uh, the wrong materials, which drive Tesla's share price. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. oh, is that one? That one wins the internet for me. Yeah, that's that is the winner this day. That's that's insane. Um, I wonder. You know what I wonder about? I, do we know if the like previous largest shareholder of Twitter was nine point one percent? Like, did he buy mm. exactly just just enough? Because nine point two is just a strange number to come up with. Like, why wasn't it ten percent? Right. So I don't know. Uh, just kind of an interesting see. interesting thing to me that uh, he ended up at nine point two. Or maybe, you know, with it being Elon, maybe there's yeah. some so scientific significance to 9.2. I'm so good at Googling. You are good. So so the previous highest owner was uh, Vanguard, Vanguard Group, right? Which is just uh, a financial um, uh, investment firm, 8.7%. I would have guessed Jack Dorsey, but Jack Dorsey only has 2.2%. Okay. So the, so the math there is he took half a percent above yeah, yeah. previous yeah. number one, now number two. Yeah, correct. It checks out. Oh, man. All right. Sorry. I'm still diving into more of these tweets. They're hilarious. Okay. Let's move on. Oh, wait. We didn't do yesterday's, today's yesterday in yesterday's tech, tech history today. What Whoa. is it called? <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> yet. Uh, this day's yesterday in tech okay. history. Today's yesterday in tech history. So I can remember doing this last year. We talked about the first cell phone call. Oh man, I don't know. So if I, I won't. I won't do know. that again. Yeah, you may not have been on that episode. Whatever, fine, we'll do it. Uh, so April third, Martin Cooper, considered the father of the cellular phone, makes the first cell phone call on a New York City street. 
Man, uh, I don't know. Um, someone in the audience is guessing this because they heard it last year, but you know what? I first date that came to mind, and it seems like it's way too far back, which means I'm probably not far enough. Seventy-seven, dude. Seventy-three. Yeah. Oh my gosh, seventy-three. Really? Very close. Man, yeah. It's amazing how early ideas get both executed, but even you know, even just kind of thought up, but then they mm-hmm. don't take hold for you know. Shoot, 20, 25 years by the time it was like really starting to take take hold there, right? So yeah. it's just uh, it's just interesting how far back most things like that end up starting. Oh, dude, Joey Ware just joined the call. He'd been in it. Sorry, I, haven't, I don't look over at that screen. I operate on a different PC whenever we do this. I just have a dedicated PC for the recording. Um, okay, first spacecraft to orbit moon. And feel free to take a stab at this, Joey, if you want to come off mute. Uh, April 3rd. The Soviet space probe Luna 10 becomes the first spacecraft to orbit around the moon. It was launched by the USSR from an Earth-orbiting platform on March 31st. So that probably gives you a little hint. It was USSR. But Luna 10's battery will operate for 460 hours. Lunar, sorry. Oh, my goodness. I'm tripping all over this. Luna 10's battery will operate for 460 lunar orbits. I don't know how I got hours out of that. Before deactivating hmm. as planned on May 30th. What year was this? 1958. Dude, 66. Good guesses. Good guesses. All right. They were the first people in space, right? I mean, we were the first on the moon, but they made it out of, you know, through orbit before we did. I'm pretty sure. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Unless someone right, got yeeted off the planet with like a meteor strike or something <laughs> yeah. earlier. Yeah. We'll see if we can see if we can verify that one and get back to the I don't know. I mean, that's before before uh before cameras and stuff, before cell phones that could have recorded it happening. True. Okay. Also, on today, April fourth is when Microsoft was founded. Want to guess the year? That's what I was blowing my nose. What was it? Oh, I'm sorry. Microsoft was founded April fourth. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Ooh. At a time when most Americans used typewriters. Yeah, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go 77 again. Actually, 75. Dang it. Close. Very close. Those were three really good, uh, really good axe throws gonna, right there. I'm gonna start getting there one day. I like land it. one. Okay, so Bullseye. we talked about talked about Elon Musk taking a passive stake in Twitter. Honestly, that surprised me. Um, well, I don't know how I feel about that. With that poll, I figured, I don't know. I didn't see him buying the largest stake in Twitter. I saw him trying to start something else, which made me uh, want to bet against him because a social media platform isn't easy but at the same time sure. he's the king of twitter so if he went and opened something else i'm sure he would immediately have uh, a significant following over there let's be honest i think we'd at least you and i would be on it but i think i think no what actually i can tell you exactly what i thought i a hundred percent expected him to buy the largest stake in in twitter i actually thought it would have been more though like i thought he was going to go out and buy 20, 30, maybe something brass, like 50 plus percent of it. I mean, I'm talking like, I thought yeah. he was throwing down a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, 
you know, he has the means. So it's just, I actually was surprised to see when I, the first thing, when I read it this morning, 9.2%, I was like, Oh, that that's not as much as I thought. And then it, you know, got down to the don't bury the lead part, which was largest shareholder of Twitter. Yeah. Um, exactly. So that, that's kind of what I thought was going to happen was that he was going to buy the largest share, but by a significant margin. I also didn't know, you know, I wasn't real sure where the largest share would be. Um, you know, it could have easily gotcha. been forty percent for Jack or whatever. You know, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah. So it only has two percent though. That's interesting. Kyle, yeah. welcome to the show, man. See you in there listening. This is cool. Mr. We got some people joining Sutherland. in, jumping on. Uh, right. Okay, so Russ, I got to ask you about what? Man, it's a yeah, party dude, this we morning. Got five of us in here. I guess Tyler didn't show up, and everyone was like, "Cool, we feel safe to join." So <laughs> say jumped in. We won't be accosted for our thoughts. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, where was I going to go with that? Uh, your friends that do the trick shots. Yeah, dude. Uh, perfect. There. What are they called? Tyler. Yes. So I saw an episode the other day where they got the very first drone delivery that was happening here in DFW, or maybe it was the first done by wing, which is a division of alphabet, right? One of, uh, one of Google's, uh, oh. you know, peer companies or whatever. So Interesting companies. I wonder if Under that alphabet. happened over here. Tyler They're, and Garrett both live close to me. It did. It did. Well, it happened at their, um, it, I guess it was Tyler's birthday and not our Tyler, their Tyler. And right. he, they ordered him some ice cream and then Alphabet's wing delivery system came and brought him a couple of uh, things of Bluebell. Okay. So, but it's supposed to start here in DFW on April 7th, starting with Walgreens um, health and wellness products. I know, it's, a, it's an interesting place to, to start. That is pretty wild. I should give him a text. Well, yeah. lightweight. Right, like if you need some ibuprofen, you just get on. Boom, it's supposed to be there within uh, like seven minutes or something. I have to test this just for science. Uh, yeah, please. I'm gonna yeah, do the same. Sure. I'm gonna do this. Okay. But I wonder. I, I, we gotta look into it. We gotta see the uh, the distance. We gotta see. Is there like a minimum amount that you gotta order? Probably not, because it's gonna be a weight where, thing. Where? So where do we order this from? Like, what do you? How do you do the ordering? Mm, that's a good question. I think you go to Wings app, maybe. Mm, huh? And they've been doing this in Australia since early 2019. What, Kieran? Why didn't he tell us about this? Yeah, Kieran, what's going on here? What's going on? They've made over 200,000 deliveries to date. Oh, okay. So this isn't even interesting. Yeah, now, this is an now, but this is an important milestone. This is an important milestone for uh, for a lagging country like us, the United States, because this will be the first first look. Well, you know, it's I mean, what resources they... do we have to be able to compete with the rest of the world? You know. Yeah. Well, I'm sitting here thinking it's interesting they picked DFW, but then I guess it's not so terribly interesting. I mean, that we have a lot of um, we have a lot of Amazon warehouse stuff here. We have a lot of uh, right. dense population, but it says deliveries will start on April 7th for tens of thousands of homes in Frisco. And Little Elm, so I guess neither of us because man, we're close, so but close. Not, not in. I'm literally, area. I'm right there. I yeah. am attached to Frisco. It's yeah. uh, it's just maybe I'll just drive like five minutes south and then just sit in my truck and see if we can deliver it to my truck. Oh, here's how it's going down. So they're going to invite customers in groups to make sure everyone has a good first experience with the drone delivery, which is smart. Which is smart. Unlike Disney, mm. just opening their streaming app to the world and then crashing and burning for the first 48 hours. So they're like, oh, we didn't think that many people wanted to stream Disney movies. 
<laughs> well, okay. let's be honest here. Any any service that runs <laughs> off of servers is going to die in the first few days of its use. It's just that's that's oh, history. Right. It has not been success. No one has ever successfully launched anything without it exploding first when it comes to running things on servers. Trust me, I've been through a million of these launches and they all fail. It's absolutely insane to me. We didn't think it would scale that fast. All right, let's move off of that. Unless you have any other thoughts on uh, Alphabet's wing division. What do you, I mean, I got, what do you think I about these no drones thoughts. just like flying overhead and going everywhere? I mean, the sky is going to start filling with these things. Does it feels like you? the beginning of the end. Um, that's, uh, that's what it feels <laughs> like to me. But any listeners? You know. we have, we're, we're building a crowd of listeners. Any thoughts on, on having uh, drones flying overhead, delivering ibuprofen and cough syrup to, uh, to your neighbors all the time? I won't wait too long, so we don't have too long of a gap if nobody actually wants to say anything. Okay, going once, well, hey, going twice. Hey, What's me, up? Really? Hit me, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I still have neighbors that complain about... Oh, sorry, my car's going to ding. Um, ah, stop it. Caller, you're on the air. Of, <laughs> sorry, I just wanted <laughs> to say that. Go ahead, Joey. <laughs> yeah, so they still complain about like flying drones over here. They're going to shoot it with a BB gun or whatever. And then you get these... Ooh, more than a BB gun. Out. Yeah, shotguns like, yeah i mean they're, they're trying to keep it clean uh but <laughs> i would love to see what would happen if a bunch of these cvs or walgreens drones are flying around shooting and getting shot down you know yep especially they picked uh, Dallas, right they picked texas <laughs> to start flying these yeah. things over people's homes i can see a scenario where <laughs> no definitely there's no guns here i think there's gonna be a scenario where it's like Okay, we've just recorded you shooting our property, so let's see, you know, where that goes yeah, legally. Because yeah. I have a feeling that there's going to be they, they they have teams of lawyers at the ready to to start, you know, making an example out of the people who are shooting things or the the parents of kids, which will become liable. Yeah, so that'll be a that'll be an interesting thing to see. Would be cool to see something like this too in like uh, like in New York City, if they have um, like little. Like little, um, like rolling robots that can make it onto elevators and make it to your front door or something like that. But I've also seen some interesting drone delivery stuff where in the future there's like um, either like landing pads or ports in from, you know, up in a high rise or landing pads in through an attic uh, or in through a roof or something like that in, you know, normal North Texas neighborhoods. So be interesting to see where this goes. Okay. We can move off of that. Um, Moving. Let's see. AMD plans to acquire networking chip maker Pensando. Is that right? For one point nine billion in cash. Uh, yep. Which is so uh, a, a company that makes CPUs. Yes, correct. Yeah. So I was going to make a comparison back to the Twitter thing, but uh, AMD. So aiming to compete with Nvidia or Nvidia, if you're in the mainstream media and don't know how to pronounce NVIDIA and Intel's what? data center tech. Yeah. We talked about this last week. Were you not on that show? I hope not. Cause that would have ruined my day. <laughs> NVIDIA. Yes. Yes. Go watch like uh, squawk <clears throat> on the street or something when they talk about, um, you know, GPUs and CPUs and stock price and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, well, NVIDIA is doing this and NVIDIA is doing that. It's like, mm, okay. Okay. Let's see, AMD to acquire SmartNIC and networking firm. So uh, People I People pronounce iPhone, iPhone. Is that is that a thing? Is it e phone? Like 
if like <laughs> what what are we doing here like I don't there's, know. <laughs> it's it's a big v like what are you okay. clearly you're having Nvidia? an emotional reaction to this i can't you weren't on the I, call. Can't, I can't handle this right now i'm about to go run through my window like yeah we ended up was, getting into people calling nikes nikes and stuff like that so mm, all right mm. I don't what do we like think it. about this? It strengthens um, SDN smarts for hyperscalers, small clouds, and maybe five G. <clears throat> okay, Thank so you, let's Mr. let's talk about what what a DPU is. So a DPU in particular is is a dedicated processing unit that, in general, is used to offload some form of processing from a general CPU. That's what we use it for. However, there's a lot of things that are going into this particular space that is to build something out called composability. So if you've ever, if you work in the IT space, which literally everyone on the call at the moment does. Yeah, um, probably every listener does. Yeah, you, you know, you, <clears throat> there's always this problem. We've, we've been chasing this problem of driving utilization up within a data center since we moved from mainframes to distributed systems, which it, it sounds odd, but nothing has been more efficient than an LPAR ever. Literally throw anything at an LPAR within a mainframe and it will drive 100% utilization, period. We have never been able to get that through anything else. VMware has literally built its business off of driving better utilization out of distributed systems. So what a DPU can do with offloading of these tasks and working towards something called composability is breaking off slices of the entire stack in a data center to try and drive up more custom utilization, which inherently will allow you to get more granular and build out less infrastructure to drive more workloads, driving higher utilization. So this is just another step towards that sort of goal that we've been working towards since like 1982. So, so anyways, have you heard of Pin you know, I have, but only okay. because probably about a year ago, I needed to do a overview of this type of technology for a group of customers, and I had to go dig into the players in the market. That's okay. That's so it had to have been less than a year ago because they came out of stealth mode like six months ago. No, yeah, Lauren, uh, seven, eight months ago, October of 2021. What month is it now? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it was um, it was probably mid to late last year, something in that yeah. range. Edge computing startup founded by former Cisco engineers came out of stealth mode today. This is October twentieth of twenty twenty one. It's a quick acquisition. One hundred forty five million. Yeah, dude. That that was my next statement. Um, the fact that they just came out of like less than a year ago came out of stealth mode and then boom got bought for what? What did I say? One point nine billion. Uh, I think you said that they got bought for less than 9.2% of Twitter. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, a billion less. Uh, all right. Pensando, it also means thinking in English, right? Um, pensando, sorry, thinking in Spanish. I don't know why I said it that way. There you go. What else What else can we find out about this? Um, based in California. Okay. I guess they uh, just excited uh, about it. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. I'll tell you that no one is really... There's a company with a strange name that technically can do this level of composability with like inside of a brownfield environment, which is usually the issue with new technology is how do you work in an existing space? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't, I mean, that's not saying no one's doing this. 
I haven't seen anyone really do this, so I have a feeling AMD will find the niche type of use case that they explicitly. It looks like an edge do. play. It looks like an edge I, play is what I'm seeing. I mean, distributed I think edge is an obvious play for a lot of yep. them. This, uh, distrib- so some of their products, distributed services switch uh, that supplies cloud-like stateful services wherever you need them. A distributed services card, a broad suite of software-defined services at the compute edge, policy and services manager, network and security policies uh, delivered to Pensando distributed service cards for service implementations at the edge. I'm seeing edge all over the place on this, which we know is oh. going to be just a massive, massive thing over the next decade. Hey, assuming so. that we can define it and put it into a box to figure out how we measure mm-hmm. what the edge is to figure out how massive it actually is. I say that sort of half jokingly because I, if, you know, in a room I ask, I ask customers all the time. So are you thinking about edge really with the intent of seeing what they're thinking about edge? Because, yeah, yeah. you know, if they came to me and asked me the question, it, it would be such a broad conversation of how to make it practical for whatever it is they're trying to do. Not because it's technically difficult, it's not, but it's like, is is this one of those situations? This is what I'm trying to avoid. When yeah. the public cloud became the public cloud, the majority of the world, and I still see this today, is people say, well, it's just another data center. That mentality is stupid. And I'm trying to avoid people treating the edge the same. And we, as in nerds in the tech industry, have this tendency to undersell the buzz term because there's just sort of this sort of negative attitude I see a lot in our industry. I think probably because we all do a a lot of a thankless job, especially when you work in support and that can drive you crazy. But it's like, what's interesting to me is people will look at the next thing that's coming in, which has clearly had lots of investment time. It is being thought of differently, but it'll have some similarity. In Edge's case, it'll be, a pop, like we've had pops, small data centers in sort geographical distributed like places, like very strategically placed for many, many years. And so people would say, well, isn't that edge? Sure. That certainly could be part of it. And so they'll say, well, you know, we've built pops before, so we've been doing edge for a long time. This is just using a term to encompass a newer way about what we're trying to do. In particular with edge, it's usually about distributing services. And so it's like, I I hate people running into that mentality of, well, we've been doing this for 30 years. Well, no, you haven't. No. So that's that's what we run into. Not with the same capabilities as we have. Exactly. Not with the same capabilities we have uh, in front of us right now. 100%. And that's that's Um, part of why it's going to explode so much um, is the additional data services, capabilities, connectivity speeds, um, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Data gravity is real. All right, dude. And that's going to play a big part of this. Yes. Yeah. 100%. 100%. You want me to throw another one at you or you got some? I've been throwing them all out. I got I, um, so I got to I gotta go. So I want to lay, lay out something that um, we, talk, we were talking about in the chat with Kieran beforehand. So in the last episode, we talked a little bit about uh, the breaking of the internet by asking the question about budget and gaming PC recommendations, specifically gaming laptops. I was waffling back and forth on some stuff. Well, over the weekend, I actually made a purchase. So I acquired a new laptop, or at least it will be in the building process for effectively a month because that's just the world we live in these days. Um, So I actually ended up not getting any recommendations from anyone on Reddit at all because they just couldn't bring themselves to figure out what in the world I was asking. And so really my goal was to see if they arrived at the same conclusion I did. 
doesn't matter. I decided to take my own conclusion and just roll with it. So I ended up getting the Alienware X15 R2 gaming laptop. The reasons why I went with this is because Dell has a higher reliability rating than a lot of the other players in the gaming laptop space. It's nothing overly special. I think in the particular statistic I saw, if you took Apple, who's usually considered one of the higher ones, it's like I think they had like a 79 reliability yeah, rating. They don't make and, gaming PCs. True. So. They don't make gaming PCs. It is a different statistic, but this was also all of Dell, so I couldn't That's, find something specific to gaming also a, PCs. Also, I'm att- attempting to poke them there because they're trying to do it. They're trying to say that they're making gaming PCs. Oh, well, I mean, you know, their newer stuff is but definitely stronger. Um, but yeah, and, and we'll talk a little bit Sorry. about Sorry. the dramatic difference between them. Um, yeah. But the... Dell was like a 58, which was pretty good. This isn't like an MPS rating, by the way. This is just like rating, reliability, and support stuff. Dell has one of the better support setups over all the gaming PCs. And that was a major reason why I went with it. I mean, I I didn't max the support. I got three years of Premium Plus and three years of the battery, et cetera. So it's like I was leaning into decent reliability, decent support, how those measured above the other ones. And the X15 R2... See, what Kieran asked was, does weight and... Well, he actually asked, does weight come into it? Well, two things really come into it, for me at least, are weight and thickness. In fact, we talked about this with one of the Dell engineers who came on uh, a while back. And weight and thickness are huge as far as my particular preference for for this this area. And so what's interesting about this one... What is, is something funny, Aaron? Nothing. No, go ahead. <laughs> he can't contain himself because his mind is broken. Um, nope, the, I'm just uh, imagining my wife listening to this going, that's what she said. <laughs> I'm sorry. She's such a 14-year-old boy. I could just hear her voice in my head. Yes, I like, knew I you were going the there word, with it. I can't say the word dongle around her without her just looking at me. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, he, no here's Aaron breaking the internet. Anyways, thin and light, most of the thin and light PCs out there on the market that are in the gaming space are somewhere around four and a half pounds, roughly, plus or minus. Like to give you an idea, like the one that most people look to, the Apple of Windows laptops, as people call them, because of the chassis they build, they build, is Razer. 4.4 pounds. It's like 0.67 inches thick as far as like all the way through the chassis. It's metal. It's it's very clean. It's a very nice chassis. Those particular laptops, for whatever reason, really struggle with reliability. And I have a feeling it's because of the um, the power that goes into them. So anyways, that's what I was struggling trying to pick, pick one from. So I ended up going with the Dell. It's a little thicker. It's like, or it's actually it's a little heavier. It's like five pounds, which is heavy. the heaviest laptop I will have ever own well that's maybe not true i had one that was six 15 years ago but as far as gaming laptops go because i bought them more i know i know you gotta go but my brain so when i was picking on apple there a little bit my brain went to okay let's let me let me move over and sit in an apple seat or put an apple hat on or whatever then i'm trying to think from their perspective like when you think about the gaming industry mobile gaming with with iphonies and ipads ipad i don't know (laughs) i was gonna try to mess that one up ipads and whatnot how does that compare revenue stream wise to the you know PC master race type of stuff? And anyway, let's not dig into it now, but 
Um, super well, curious to see how. As far as the actual out. game sales go, dramatic, right? I mean, that's why the uh, that's why a lot yeah. of people think that tr- games are going to be treated different in the App Store lawsuit and all this stuff going on because that's yeah. where the majority of revenue comes from. But here, let's talk about this a little bit and all that kind of stuff. Do, <laughs> so do, let's talk about the go? specs. I do have to go, but I want to talk about the specs of this real quick. So we can talk again on Wednesday. No, I'm you, doing you this go, today. Man. I'm doing okay. it live. All right. <laughs> yeah. So I got a 12th gen Intel Core i9 12900H. That's probably not very valuable to anyone listening. What that is is a 14 core, 20 thread, up to five gigahertz processor, which is ridiculous for a laptop. Um, it it will probably set a fire somewhere that I take this thing, and so it's incredibly powerful. It generates a lot of heat. I have Windows 11 Pro on it. I have an RTX 3080 Ti 16 gig graphics card in it, which is the the highest end version they have. For anyone who's wondering, I have a 3080 Ti in my desktop. Now, these aren't one for one the same. A 3080 Ti inside of the laptop is more like a 3070 desktop. And this is where it gets interesting. So this is actually where a lot of what I was basing my purchase off of. This is actually why if Apple made the best spec laptop period like it was the best performing gaming laptop on the market i wouldn't be able to buy it unless it also had this aspect so what i was trying to drive was a similar experience to my desktop and this is something that is very very unique to gaming laptops which is the screen so it has a 15.6 QHD 2560 by 1440 that that part's not that interesting but it's a 240 hertz, two millisecond response, advanced Optimus G-Sync display. And that's the part that is very, very critical, is buying display technology that integrates directly with my GPU in order to make a one-to-one sync of the frames. You will only find this. No, Mac does not do that. Um, AMD has a, a more open source version, less proprietary way of doing it. But that's something. So in order to do that, Apple would have to commit to a much more complicated, highly battery draining type of technology. The only purpose of a screen like that is to drive the best possible experience in gaming. It will have literally zero other uses. And so the you know, I'm not saying they wouldn't commit to it, but they would have to work with Nvidia for G-Sync, which is the best way of doing it, which means they'd have to put Nvidia in it and go against their own it's, silicone. Russ, sorry, it's Nvidia. I'm going to kill you. It's going to be a problem. <laughs> You're going <laughs> to I can't stand it. I hate it. I know, right? Anyways, right. that so I have a G-Sync, I have two G-Sync d- displays right in front of me right now, actually. In fact, I bought another one. So I, I'm replacing my upstairs desk display with another Alienware monitor that is also a G-Sync display. Very explicitly. Like two for, chains? You got two it's G-Syncs? like two chains. I got two G-Syncs. I'm going to have three G-Syncs, actually. Um, two Alienware monitors, one, one Acer Predator. But these, all of my monitors, laptop or desktop, that have, that have any form of gaming potential around them will be and must be G-Sync. That is a requirement for me. And so that is something that limited my options and something I focused on. So it's a major part of this. It adds to the cost significantly because the monitor literally has a special chip built into it to do the syncing. But it's important. 
And then uh, the rest of it's fairly standard. It's like 32 gigs of RAM, two terabyte SSD or NVMe device, et cetera, yada, yada, yada. But that's what I was, you know, really, really waffling on was like, there's not a lot of options that have that screen, which dictates so much of the experience. If you can drive the performance, which is much easier for me as far as picking specs. So anyways, makes sense. You guys did a lot of talked a lot about and, uh, and ultimately what I decided to choose. So. Thanks for spending the extra time with me. Big congratulations to Pensando Systems coming out of Stealth in October and getting massive acquisition stuff happening this week. And uh, yes, sir. let's let's track this Elon stuff closely. He's got to be doing I think something. We will. Picking up almost 10% of Twitter. All right. Yeah. Shut her down. Let's go. All right. Well, assuming no one else has anything else to add, thanks to Kyle Sutherland, Darren Zook, and Joey Ware for joining us today. Uh, that's that's the purpose of uh, of the Telegram channel, by the way, is for people to be able to jump in and join us as they go. So, Buley, can you hit us with what that link is? Yes, sir. T.me slash tech breakfast. Just put that in your browser and it's going to give you a little pop up says, do you want to join this fun, amazing community? You just hit yes and then download the app and you join and you chat there and you, you learn go. and it's fun and you get connected. And, and you can join the pre-show, which is usually us um, trying to figure out what in the world we're going to do today or join the uh, live show and chime in if you'd like to do. And when you're in the pre-show, you don't talk about the pre-show after you leave the pre-show. Okay, that's what happens right. in the pre-show stays in the pre-show. That's right. right. That's a very special members-only sort of situation that is uh, not not overly exclusive. Just join if you want to. And uh, anyways, that's going to do it though for the next episode or for the current episode of the Tech Breakfast Podcast. We're almost at two fifty, by the way. I think this is uh, two forty-six. We determined. So if you've got ideas for what we should do for uh, the big. Uh, what, what did we say? It was a quarter of a thousand, not quarter of a million, according to our, <laughs> yes, our math last yes. time. Let us know because we'd love to see it. Otherwise, thanks for joining. Um, thanks for thanks for participating and share it. Tell your friends about it. Until then, we'll see you next time. Later.